You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I just don't trust myself or I don't trust myself anymore. A number of times I've heard that in conversation with clients over the years is staggering. Although actually, now that I say that, it isn't staggering at all by virtue of the fact that when I met all these people first, they were using their minds normally. I've heard situations like, I don't trust myself to make the right investment decision because of the mistakes I've made in the past. Or I don't trust myself with other people. I seem to fall in love with the wrong people again and again and again. Or I don't trust myself in relation to the decision that I have to make from a career point of view or from a business point of view or from a house point of view, buying a house or selling a house or renting a house. People generally don't trust themselves. And you know what? They're right. Because when we're using our minds normally, we can't trust our normal thinking processes to enable us make the right decision for the very simple reason that our normal thinking processes will always enable us, and that's the wrong word, and it actually disables us from making the right decision, will always enable us to do what we think is right. But because our thinking processes have been patterned and basically the same since we were young and impressionable, we're always going to use outmoded, outdated thoughts to decide now what I need to do, having thought about what I need to do now, or more to the point, having overthought what I need to do now. Why do you think people fall from one bad relationship into another? Why do you think people are afraid that they might be making the wrong decision again in relation to a new love interest or or a friend or a companion or, or a job for that matter? Why? because they've made the wrong decision again and again and again in the past. I have one particular client who found herself in a really dysfunctional organization a number of years ago. We won't go into the details, we won't spill any beans. It wasn't the client's beans to spill, by the way. It was the organization's beans that I might spill. But this was a particularly dysfunctional organization. And ultimately, she decided she couldn't function in that place anymore. So she went to another job only to find that the next organization was pretty much a repeat performance of the previous one. So after three years in that job, she decided, I can't do this anymore. I need a change. So she went off to another job in a different country. And what do you think? You know, somebody else, a managing director said to me a couple of weeks ago, he said, having spoken to you for the last eight or 10 weeks, I have begun to notice the madness of people in organizations and the madness of people sitting around a board table trying to make decisions or even trying to have a sensible conversation. And he said to me, are most organizations dysfunctional? 
And in reply, I said, well, Harvard reckons that 96% of people are not in control of their own wits. They don't have their wits about them. Their automatic minds and their automatic repetitive thoughts are controlling them. So if 96% of people using their minds normally are dysfunctional, what are the chances, even the statistical chances, of one sane person turning up in a boardroom of 12 people? Our conversation went on to talk about families. Don't get me started on families, because families are basically even worse than boardrooms for the simple reason that there are dysfunctional people together who think they owe some allegiance to each other, despite, in some cases, way out dysfunctionality. We're all dysfunctional when we're using our minds normally. And when we're using our minds normally together in close proximity to each other, as we often do in family situations, then dysfunction abounds. And we are quite right to say to ourselves, I don't trust myself to make the right decision. I don't trust myself that I will be able to behave myself correctly in any particular situation or say the right thing or do the right thing. Why? Because you can't trust yourself if you equate yourself with your thinking mind. This leads me on to a conversation I had with a client a couple of weeks ago. She needed her vaccination pass or whatever they call it in the country that she lives in to enable her go on a particular holiday. And about a week before the holiday, she pulled out the documentation and realized that the people who vaccinated her hadn't recorded her second vaccination. Therefore, she didn't actually have a pass sanitaire, as they call them in this part of the world. She got on to the clinic that had given her both vaccinations and said, the second vaccination hasn't been recorded. And they said, oh, sorry, we haven't got around to that yet. You know, we have an awful lot of administrative work to do. She said, but I'm going on holidays next week. And they said, oh, leave it with us. We'll make sure that your documentation is fine in good time. And she put down the phone and a little voice inside her, which, who, the, the person that she calls her inner voice, her true self her gut instinct. We'll come back to that in a minute. Her inner voice said to her, don't trust that person. And she asked me in the conversation that we were having, was I right not to trust that person? Or is it terrible that in general, I don't trust people? And my answer was, you're absolutely right not to trust people. Why in God's name would you trust somebody who cannot trust themselves? There's a carry on to that story because eventually, after a couple of days, she decided, uh, I better listen to my inner voice. She rang them again and they said, oh, no, we haven't got around to that yet. So she went to the clinic and stood over them while they did what they needed to do. It only took 10 minutes to enable her go on the holiday that she had already booked and paid for. You can't trust normal, crazy people. And if you are a normal, crazy person, you're quite right to say to yourself, I can't trust myself to do this, that, or the other, or to make the right choices or the right decisions. It's really very simple. Uh, and let's recap on some of the stuff that we've talked about before. When I was three or four years old, actually, no, in particular in the third year of my life, I took psychological snapshots of things that were done for me and things that were done to me that made me feel, feel good or bad about myself. 
Unfortunately, psychology tells us that we were more likely to take negative snapshots rather than positive snapshots. And in later life, we will always refer to the negative over the positive snapshots as a means of making it through the day when we are using our automatic pilot, or if I can put it more bluntly, when we are surviving through the day mindlessly. Therefore, if I have a decision to make now in 2021, I will use the way I have been thinking since 1960 to make a decision today. And I'll have been using that way of thinking in every single now from then to now. In doing so, I will have always made the same decisions given similar circumstances. And I say similar because we use a template for making decisions based on how we categorize what's going on now. In other words, we don't actually evaluate what's going on now. We evaluate it on the basis of a box we put it into, categorization. It's like, like, like the pigeonholes that would be behind um, a reception desk in an old fashioned hotel. I don't know if they still have them in many hotels. I haven't been in a hotel for a while. So we categorize what's going on based on how we categorize things when we were three or four years old, and we apply the thoughts that we learned when we were three or four years old to evaluate what we think is going on now based on how it resembles what happened to us when we were three or four years old. No wonder we keep making the same decisions, wrong decisions, because we keep using the same thought processes. We keep using the same patterned way of making decisions. That is why that girl that I mentioned earlier on went from one bad job to another bad job to another bad job. And now she's saying to herself, I can't stick this any longer. And fingers crossed that she's learned enough at this stage, not in relation to the failures and decisions that she made in the past, but that she's learned enough at this stage to trust her gut instinct, which is entirely different from trusting your thinking mind. She doesn't need to learn from her previous mistakes for the simple reason that her previous mistakes were repeat performances of something that she learned when she was three or four. All she needs to know is, I don't need to use my mind that way anymore. I need to use my mind in an unusual or an abnormal way. In other words, I want to stop being a normal crazy person. I want to become an abnormal person, using my mind in a way that nature did not intend. Let me clarify that. Our brains are arranged as nature intended. Unfortunately, nature intended to arrange our brains this way when we were hunter-gatherers and when our key goal in life was to survive the day. Our brains are arranged to enable us survive the day. They're not arranged to enable us make complex decisions on the basis of the things that we'd love to achieve in life. That doesn't happen in the normal mind when we're using the normal mind normally. So we need to be abnormal. We develop our ability to be abnormal. Oh, let, let, me, let me use slightly more motivational words. We need to stop using our ordinary minds ordinarily. We need to stop resting on the crutch of ordinary evolution. We need to take control of our state of mind and become extraordinary. We do that by developing our ability to pay attention to what is going on instead of what we think is going on 
using the patterned thoughts that we have always habitually and automatically used up to now. Back to my friend who asked me, was she right not to trust the person in question who hadn't input the right data for her vaccination? And I made the point to her that she is right to trust nobody. And I would make the same point to you. You cannot trust people who do not trust themselves, or actually you cannot trust people who cannot trust themselves until they do something about how they use their minds. The only person you can trust in your life, absolutely, is you. But I don't mean who you think you are. I mean who you really are. I mean the person that took the psychological snapshots when you were three years old, not the product of the psychological snapshots. I mean the perfect person before he or she was tarnished by the learning thrust upon us by other people who were using their minds normally and completely unwittingly did us harm rather than good because of our propensity to take negative snapshots and then in later life choose negative patterned programmed thoughts to make our decisions during the course of the day rather than positive ones. Indeed, let, let, let me run off into a little aside for a moment, because even if we were using positive patterned programmed thoughts to make our decisions now, we would still not be making the right decisions because they would be still programmed patterned thoughts. We as human beings can only live our lives the way in which we would really love to live them. We can only live extraordinary lives day to day when we fully know what's going on and we fully understand what we're trying to achieve so that we can effortlessly do what we need to do in the here and now, armed with those two key understandings. I know what's going on and I know what I want out of the situation in which I find myself. Again, nature developed our brains to do just that. But again, unfortunately, they were hardwired to do just that when confronted by a woman eating or a man eating bear, lion, tiger, or take your pick of whatever would love to have you for dinner tonight when you were a hunter gatherer. If you were to find yourself in the bush 7,000 years ago out looking for tonight's dinner and you were confronted by one of these beasts, this part of your mind, your doing mind, your gut instinct, would know exactly what you need to do to achieve your primary goal, to survive. You wouldn't have to think about it. You wouldn't have to overthink. You wouldn't have to analyze. And you certainly wouldn't be using any nonsensical, pre-programmed, patterned thoughts to evaluate whether I should do this, that, or the other, and in the process, lose your head. I mean, literally lose your head. I would have ripped off you. What you need to do is take charge of your own personal evolution so that you can build on the brain that nature intended for you. So that you can restructure the key parts of the brain to enable you get to the point where you can trust yourself implicitly and explicitly because it is the real self that you are trusting. Now, over the years, people have often said to me, but who is the real me? How will I discover the real me? How will I know the difference between the real me 
and the one that I thought was me. Well, first of all, there's no great discovery involved. You just have to let your thinking mind go away. And your thinking mind does go away. It's, it's, this isn't some fanciful notion. This is modern neuroscience. What modern neuroscience confirms is the more I restructure my brain, the more I take charge of my own personal evolution, the more my thinking mind is sidelined. There's hard neuroscience behind that. They've actually seen what's going on in the brain when this happens for real. When your thinking mind goes away, you're left with your being mind, your doing mind, the subcortical brain free from the thoughts that don't just hold you back, but actually keep you tied down in the little box that your pre-programmed patterned thoughts had made for you, or at least you thought those thoughts had made this little box for you. The box isn't real, of course. So there's no discovery involved. You're already here. It's just that you can't see yourself or feel yourself or hear your inner voice because your thoughts, the thoughts that hold you back, the thoughts that you've been thinking since you were three years old, are too noisy. You need to let them pass. You don't even need to let them pass, actually. What you need to do is turn up to the here and now. This is where your life is lived. This is where your doing mind lives. It's in the here and now that the doing mind decides I better run in that direction because it gives me the best chance of escaping from the man or woman eating tiger. The doing mind is really, really good at that. No thinking involved, as I said a moment ago. What we need to do is meditate. Uh, you're probably sick hearing me say this, but that's all we need to do because meditation develops our ability to know what's going on in the here and now. One little step at a time. If I did, for example, a breathing meditation, I'd be aware of the breath in my nostrils. And being aware of the breath in my nostrils, I would have turned on a part of the brain that enables me to be present in the here and now. If I do that every morning, I won't just turn on this part of the brain, I'll redevelop this part of the brain. I'll restructure the actual neural pathways, the axons and the nuclei of the neurons in the neural pathways of this part of the brain permanently. It'll become a different piece of equipment. It'll become a piece of equipment that is as adept at telling me exactly what I need to do now. In other words, the decision that I need to make that my thinking mind can't be trusted to make. It will enable me make that decision now, whether it be in relation to a relationship or work or business or investment or career or health and fitness. It'll enable me make that decision now in the same adept way as it enabled me make the decision to get the hell out of the way of the lion or the tiger seven or 8,000 years ago. That's what this part of the brain does. Actually, that's only half the story. The part of the brain that you turn on when you meditate, the part of the brain that you restructure when you meditate regularly is just the conductor of the orchestra. It enables the other key parts of the brain do what they do 
to enable me do what I need to do and avoid doing what I don't need to do. In other words, avoid making the same stupid decisions that I have repeatedly made using my thinking mind in the past. Because what neuroscience has recently discovered is that when I meditate regularly, when I restructure the focus part of my brain, when the focus part of my brain, the conductor of the orchestra, starts conducting the components of my subcortical brain so that rather than being parts of the brain that are shouting at each other, which is what's going on in the normal mind, rather than them being like an orchestra tuning up where there's a load of discordant music going on, they become an orchestra playing sweet, harmonious music. You actually restructure these subcortical parts of the brain as well, in a way that enables them talk to you in real time so that you know what's going on in real time. You see, a lot of the people who say to me, I, I don't trust myself to make the right decision, are evaluating previous decisions that they've made, previous wrong decisions that they've made with the benefit of hindsight. Hindsight is no use if you're making a decision and you have to make a decision now. You can't leap forward and look back to see if the right decision is being made now. But when these parts of the brain are engaged, as I've mentioned a moment ago, when they're restructured through regular meditation, you don't need hindsight. You have 20-20 vision. You know what's going on in the here and now. In exactly the same way as when a lion or a tiger presents itself in front of you, you know exactly what's going on and you know exactly what you need to do. This is the same thing, except in the modern age, through taking charge of your own personal evolution, through restructuring your brain, you're enabling this part of the brain perform that way in all kinds of weird and wonderful situations. Actually, no, just wonderful situations. You are going to enable this part of the brain know exactly what's going on when you're presented with an investment opportunity, a business opportunity, a career opportunity, a chance encounter with somebody who may mean something to you or may mean nothing to you, you'll know exactly which it is in the here and now because you're reading them rather than having put them into a box, having categorized them, having put them into a pigeonhole and using the thoughts that you used when you were two or three years old to evaluate the person in the pigeonhole. It's a completely different way of being. In fact, it's a way of living. Whereas using your mind ordinarily is a way of existing. And that's awful. It's awfully sad. And it's an awful waste of your life. So what do we need to do? We need to constantly, constantly, regularly practice, regularly train ourselves to pay attention to the here and now. As I said a few minutes ago, that could be paying attention to your breathing. It could be paying attention to what you're feeling in your body. It could be paying attention, for example, to what you're feeling in the upturned palms of your hands. Try that. Try that at some point after this podcast. It could be paying attention to what you're hearing, paying attention to what you're smelling, what you're tasting. It could be paying attention to what you're actually seeing rather than what you think you're seeing. And by that, I mean, there's an old Buddhist expression that once you tell a child, oh, look, that's a bird. The child will never see the bird again. 
You won't look. It's habituated. That, that's, how, that's how the mind actually works. It'll, it'll take the bird for granted. There's loads of birds that will fly your way today in the form of opportunities to move your life forward. If you're not awake, eyes wide open, you won't see them. These, as a client of mine said to me recently, these opportunities are there anyway. The only thing you have to do is turn up to the here and now, the present moment, giving the present moment your full attention and knowing fully what's going on. Once you know fully what's going on, you can trust yourself to make the right decision. And this goes for every aspect of your life, small, medium and large. It goes for, for example, making the right decision when you sit down to dinner in a restaurant. I have one particular client who changed her health completely as a result of clearing her mind and listening to what her gut instinct told her when she would read a menu. Choosing fish or salad instead of a fat-laden burger and chips. It goes for other simple choices and decisions that we make that are life-changing too. What I will put in my shopping trolley when I do my supermarket shop tomorrow. Will I put in stuff that is good for me or will I put in stuff that is bad for me? Believe it or not, the subconscious mind, the subcortical brain will stop you in the act of taking something that's bad for you off the supermarket shelf. It goes for, should I apply for this job or should I apply for that job? But most importantly, when you do apply for a job and when you do get to the interview, your subconscious mind, your subcortical brain in the here and now will actually tell you what you need to say and do and how you need to say and do it rather than you trying to overthink what you need to say and do. We'll finish this episode with a practical example of this. I have one particular client who's been a client for years, but he's also more recently an owner of the online program, The Psychology of Success, who was called to an interview for what turned out to be his dream job. He knew from going through the online program that he would never have been even called for the interview had he not already done his preparation. In other words, they called him for the interview because they thought he might be suitable for the job. So what he didn't need to do is prepare a script for the interview. What he didn't need to do is take down his old management theory books and read them and spout out some nonsense from them because any idiot can do that. What he needed to do was turn up. And he turned up to the interview in the here and now, sat down with the guy who was interviewing him, said a few little pleasantries as one does. They went off on a tangent and realized that the two of them had lived in the same apartment building in the Netherlands 20 years previously. The bond was already made. The interview wasn't an interview anymore. It was a conversation between people who had a number of shared interests, people who could work together. He got that job effortlessly because he turned up to the interview rather than sweating over preparing for the interview, rather than overthinking or thinking at all about what he would say or what he would do. He turned up to the here and now, knew what was going on, knew what he needed to do because he knew what he wanted to achieve. 
That's how this part of your brain works. And it works like a dream for you. It works effortlessly for you. Once you have turned yourself on, tuned your mind in to the here and now through regular daily, everyday meditation, you don't really have to do much more. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.